How's everybody doing today? Good afternoon. Good to see you all. It's a pleasure to be here today. I also want to say um, I'm also the senior pastor of ARC Ministries of Berkeley. Uh, and I say that uh, not to boast that I pastor two churches, but it's like leaving out one of your kids. It's like saying and you have two kids and he's the father of this person, but, but not the other. I got to mention them. So any ARCers listening into this podcast, uh, I got your back. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you, too. Uh, It's really an honor and a privilege to be here today. Uh, Yes, my wife and I are vacationing with our daughter, Alethea, who's uh, not choosing fun right now, so Mommy had to take her outside for a little bit of an attitude adjustment. Uh, She'll come back in in a much better mood, I guarantee it. Uh, I I, I felt the presence of God so strong as we were driving through the streets of Pusan this morning on our way here to this service. I could just feel the presence of God and sense the visitation of the Spirit of God in the city of Pusan. And I want to say that you are a first fruits of what God is doing in this city. You're just the beginning. And the culture here is already strong. I get sense just in the midst of worship that the hardest thing about starting a church, about planting a church, is establishing a culture of rabid worshipers who are Jesus lovers, who are rabid Jesus lovers. And that culture is strong, and you're going to begin to reproduce after your own kind. And you're going to reproduce and reproduce. And I've just been speaking fruitfulness over you. And I know that you're going to be fruitful and you're going to multiply in every way. I want to uh, talk to you uh, this afternoon about something that's kind of the opposite of what I normally talk about. You know, I talk a lot about shifting. And what I want to talk to you about this afternoon is uh, that you need to stop shifting so much. Because some of you have shifted so much that you're shifty. (laughs) When we talk about shifting, that language of shifting, it's about shifting out of the place of error and into the place of truth. If you have to shift every day or every week, it means you keep returning to the place of error. I want to talk to you today about shifting once and staying shifted, remain, remaining in gear, shifting into the place of truth and remaining there, remaining obedient to the truth. But in order to do that, you have to have a strong mind. The mind is the problem. People say, I was overtaken by the enemy. What does it mean to be overtaken by the enemy? Did the enemy come break down your front door? Come in your house and physically apprehend you? No, so the enemy didn't overtake your body. Did the enemy break down the door of your heart and come in? No, even Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Even Jesus doesn't break it down. He stands at the door and knocks says, if you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in, but otherwise I won't. Do you think that even Jesus can't knock down the door of your heart, or at least he won't? But do you think he gives Satan the power to do so? No. If Satan overtook us in any way, it's because of the mind. That is, what he really overtook was your mind, and he overtook your mind when you opened the door and let him into it. And you open the door and let him into it when you begin to submit to the thoughts that he throws at you. See, the thing is, the enemy is constantly throwing thoughts at you. 
And the moment you embrace one of those thoughts as your own thoughts, you've effectively opened the door for him to have an influence in your life. I was looking at Matthew chapter 16 last night, and I saw it in a new way. In Matthew 16, Jesus takes the disciples. We should probably open in prayer, huh? I didn't do that yet. Sorry, this is a very unorthodox message I'm giving you today. Father, bless this time. I pray you'd give a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of our understanding and release a flow of the spirit of the living God. Lord, that there would be a work of establishment in this house. I pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus takes his disciples to uh, Caesarea Philippi, in verses 13 and following. And Caesarea Philippi was a Greco-Roman pantheon. He was surrounded by all of these Greco-Roman gods. And he asks his disciples there in the midst of this place, who do men say that I am? And they give him all of these answers. Some say you're this guy, some say you're that guy. He says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter jumps up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, Good work, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then he changed his name. And I say that you're Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of God. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So this is a wonderful moment, right? Peter's name is changed from Simon to Peter. And Jesus gives him the keys to the kingdom of heaven and says, you bind it on earth, it's bound in heaven. And he says, what you just said was the work of revelation. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, meaning you did not figure out who I am because you're a good Sunday school student. You cannot investigate in the natural and discover who Jesus is. You don't discover Jesus through excavation through research, through good journalism. It takes revelation to know Jesus. You can read every book under the sun, but unless the Father reveals Jesus to you, you will never know Him. And so what we, begin to, we need to begin to cry out in our hearts for is more revelation. But what happens next is what interests me and where I focused last night. Immediately after Jesus speaks this powerful blessing over Peter, Verse 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go on to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You ever stop and look at that? Peter rebuked Jesus. In whose name? <laughs> Lord, I rebuke you in your name. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine rebuking God? He, I mean, he lost his mind. Now, you know, my daughter is three years old. She's testing the waters. She's discovering her authority, but misusing it. So, you know, she'll look at my wife sometime and say, do you want me to give you a timeout? Just say it to my wife. You know, I said, no, no, no. You don't get to give me timeouts. I give you timeouts. Or she'll say, be nice or else I'm going to give you a timeout. And my wife will say, excuse me? Who are you talking to? She, miss, she, she under, she's beginning to understand that she's got some authority. 
but she thinks that she has authority over her mama sometimes. And mama straightens that out real quick. Peter is like a three-year-old boy here with Jesus. He takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him and says, Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. Why does Peter say this? Because he's so concerned about Jesus, right? He just loves Jesus so much, he can't imagine something like that happening to Jesus, right? Wrong. Peter is the disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple means you follow your rabbi wherever he goes. And what happens to your rabbi happens to you. You know what Peter was saying? I didn't sign up for that. It will never be. Isn't it funny that Jesus did not give his disciples a long list of what they could expect when he called them to be his disciples? He didn't say, now just so you know, before you sign up for this, no, 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 no. Come follow me. I'll tell you what you need to know as you need to know it. You just come follow me. Jesus turns to Peter. Look at verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Satana mulokara. Right? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus stops talking to Peter and starts talking to Satan. But it says he said it to Peter. Which means he's speaking to the Satan in Peter. Now, five minutes ago, he said, Blessed are you, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father, and you are speaking by divine revelation. Now he's saying you're speaking by satanic inspiration. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I always thought the whole statement that Jesus made here was addressed to Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan, for your hindrance to me. But if you actually look at the sentence, it doesn't make sense for the whole thing to be addressed to Satan. He says, for you do not consider the things of God, but the things of man. Do you think Satan is only considering the things of man? Satan doesn't consider the things of man. He thinks about how to destroy man. Jesus addresses the first part to Satan and the second part to Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. And then he says, Peter, you're a hindrance to me because you do not consider the things of God, but the things of man. What he's literally telling Peter is that what opened the door to satanic influence in your mind is that you focused your mind on the things of man and not the things of God. That is, you were so focused on what might happen to you and on what negative consequences might happen to you if you follow me. That you open the door to the power of Satan that wants to hinder me from going to the cross because Satan is beginning to sense what's going to happen on the other side of it. That is, what wants to stop Jesus from going to the cross and redeeming the world except the power of Satan? Peter, you're so focused on the things of man that you've brought yourself into alignment with the power of Satan. Isn't it funny that Peter was flowing in the Holy Spirit at one minute and flowing in satanic power in the next minute? Full of the Holy Spirit and prophesying. And in the next verse, speaking in tongues, but not by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. 
You know people like that? <laughs> I had a pastor friend. I had a pastor friend. We were at church, and he was prophesying and speaking over people. And then a car cut him off on the freeway. And he, Son of a mother. You know, just, I mean, words were coming out of his mouth. He was speaking in tongues. Said, oh, I'm so sorry about that, brother. I'm so sorry. It's funny. You flow in one spirit, and then you flow in another spirit. Shifting. Shifting between one spirit and the next. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8. He talks about the difference between carnal mindedness and spiritual mindedness. He says those who are carnally minded set their minds on what that nature desires. But those who are spiritually minded set their minds on what that nature desires. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How do you know if your mind is dwelling in the spirit if your life is characterized by life and peace? Shifting back and forth, back and forth. Paul talks to Timothy in first in second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. He says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Love, power, and soundness of mind are the opposite of fear. When you're walking in fear, you're not walking in love. You're walking in frustration, disappointment, despair. Why? Because love is patient. And so if you're impatient, you're not walking in love. I get so impatient with my daughter these days, you know. Having a three-year-old is a test from God. God is just testing your spirit. But love is patient. And so when I'm, te- when I'm tested, when my daughter's testing me, I have to come back to patience. I, find, I, I mean, um, I love you, baby. Come here. <laughs> but you're going to have to stop that. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not easily provoked. It does not think evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It always perseveres. It always protects. It always trusts. It always endures. Love never fails. I got so angry at some Korean people today because... The bus, we, the bus stopped. We had a, a, a stop on the way to the Pusan bus station. We, we were in Kaje Island uh, the last couple of days, Kajedo. And uh, we have a friend who lives there, and so we were enjoying Kajedo. And, and uh, uh, we had some great food there and went to the Jimjubang. And, uh, uh, but we had to take the bus from Kajedo this morning, and, and we, stopped the, we had a stop at the airport before we came to the Pusan station where we got off and when we stopped at the airport a bunch of people got off the bus and opened up the baggage cart and my wife and I are looking out the window because you know you you know it's your bags but I thought there's no way they're going to take our bags out sure enough they're taking our bags out like okay there's no way they're going to leave our bags out sure enough they're walking away and closing the thing and the bus driver closing the door about to drive off with our two suitcases on the curb I said wait and I jumped off the bus and, and I looked I said look you know and they're Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, I mean, we're going to be without our bags. I'm like, pay attention. 
Come on! You know? I'm thinking, love is patient. Love is kind. This is irritation I'm feeling. This is anger. It's like, oh, sorry. Like, it was just a small mistake. Yeah, no luggage. Right? That's the, out- that's the outcome. And, oh, my bad. <laughs> Throw my luggage in there. Love is patient. I've got to come back to patience and kindness. And here's the key. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Really, when I'm operating in anxiety, when I'm operating in frustration, irritation, and anger, it all comes from fear. Why? Because I was afraid of losing our luggage and wearing the same draws for the next week. (laughs) You see? When I could just go down to Daiso and buy a pair for a dollar, a thousand won, right? No problem. But I was so afraid of losing our luggage that I stepped out of the flow of love for a second. Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of bondage to fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love and of power. He's given you a spirit of power. There's been so much weakness talk in Christian circles that we think it's godly to be weak. I am weak, but he is strong. Right? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Really? He has not given us a spirit of bondage into fear, but of love and of power. Meaning that a part of fear is lovelessness, but also powerlessness. When you are walking in fear, you feel powerless. And, we, and the enemy wants to spiritualize that sense of powerlessness that comes from fear and make you feel like, oh, well, now God can really use you because you know that without him you can do nothing. What God, yeah, we got, we got past that a long time ago. What God wants us to receive is the spirit of power that says, through Christ I can do all things. Yeah, apart from him I can do nothing. That doesn't apply to me because I'm not apart from him. but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power. God wants to strengthen you with might in your inner being by His Spirit so that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith. He wants to give you power, not weakness. And then thirdly, He's given us a sound mind. Love, power, and of a sound mind. The NIV says self-discipline. The word in the Greek is sophronismos. Say that, sophronismos. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some sophronismos. Sophronismos. Sophronismos is the rule of your mind. That's why it's called self-discipline, because it's the ability to govern from your mind. Do you know that we are in an election year in the United States, and I think in Korea too, right? When is the election day? Here, here in Korea. November what? Wow, you follow politics really closely, don't you? <laughs> in the United States, it's two days after we return. It's November 5th. We return to the United States on November 3rd. Election day is November 5th. And there's two different parties that are vying for power 
that are vying for the, the place of power in the United States government, do you know that there's an election going on in your own self? And there's two candidates, your mind and your emotions. Both of them are vying for the place of power in your life. When you are ruled by your emotions, you live by impulse and by feeling. You're led around by every desire and every want. And you feel powerless to change the outcome of your life. You know, I was so convicted last night and I didn't even tell my wife because I would have gotten too much of a resounding amen from her. But <laughs> last night I was, I was crying out to the Lord in my heart. I said, Lord, I really need to lose some weight. I really want to be thinner. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly and said, you are exactly the weight that you want to be. I said, no, I'm not. I want to be 175 pounds. The Lord said, no, you don't. You want to be exactly the weight that you are. Until you come to grips with that, you'll never change it. Because if you think you are not the weight that you want to be, then you're assuming that you are powerless over how much you weigh. It just happened to you. Something overpowered you and made you fat. Something overtook you against your will. handcuffed your hands behind your back, stuffed food in your mouth, and made you chew it and swallow it. You are exactly the weight that you want to be. Stop acting like you're powerless. If you want to be another weight, then change it. Take authority and change your weight. Woke up in my thinking. <laughs> You know what I realized? That the reason I'm not the weight that I want to be in my mind is because I am the weight that I want to be in my emotions or in my feelings. You know why? Because it feels real good to take a pint of ice cream and inhale it, snort it. Sometimes, and in Korea, it's even worse. The food is so good, sometimes I eat it with two forks. I got a fork in one hand, a pair of chopsticks in another hand. I've gone through so much gochujang in this place. Nyang nyum chicken. I put, I'm, I'm almost putting yum yum chicken places out of business. Or doubled their business. They're, expand, they're remodeling now. That's why they're closed. I've eaten so much nyang yum chicken. Yang yum chicken. I can't even say it right. Last night, we went to a Kalbi place in Koje, and they, we ordered five orders. And, and three of them were for me and my baby, and the other two were for my wife and her friend. Do you know I ate all three of those orders for me and my baby? My baby ate one little sliver, one little sliver, and I ate that whole three orders and wanted more but had to control myself. I said, the devil is a liar. Soundness of mind is the government of your mind over your emotions. Soundness of mind is the ability to discipline yourself because the decision that you make in your mind, has it carries more authority than anything that your emotions want. Dr. Kirby Clements said that feelings make wonderful companions but terrible rulers. 
Because you feel like you want one thing today, but tomorrow you feel like you want something else. And one of the signs that we live in the midst of a culture that is dominated by feelings is the lack of commitment that we see. When you are ruled by your feelings, you don't want to commit to anything. Say, well, what if I don't want it tomorrow? Meaning, what if I don't feel it tomorrow? I don't make any long-term decisions about anything. Why? Because my I got to give room for my feelings to change. People are afraid to get married. Why? Because what if I don't feel this way about you in a year? People are afraid to take a job because what if I don't like it a year from now? People are afraid to commit to a church. Well, I got to wait this thing out to see if I like it here or not. What if I don't like the people? What if some new folks come in that I don't like? What if they change the rules? See, I got, I, in order to allow my feelings to rule, I got to get my mind out of the way. But from the mind, I can make a decision and not change from it. From the mind, I, I, when, I, when, I, when God gives me the spirit of soundness of mind. And you know what's actually happened in our culture is that we've spiritualized this feeling-dominated mentality. This feeling-dominated mentality is really a vagabond mentality, and it's an orphan spirit because we constantly have to be on the move. And so we don't commit to anything. And people say things like, people come into churches and say things like, I'm here until the Lord moves me on. What we're really saying is, I'm here until my feelings move me on. That is, I'm here until, as if we serve a vagabond God who wants to just move his people and cause them to wander and wander in the wilderness like sheep without a shepherd. Had somebody tell me something, tell me one time, that's what God always does with me. He sends me to a place for a couple years and then sends me to another place for a couple years and then sends me to another church and then sends me to another church and then sends me to another church. I never stay anywhere long because God is constantly sending me. I said, you serve a vagabond God. Your God is a Bedouin and I don't know that God. My God says those who are firmly planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. My God actually wants to take the destitute and put them in families. Try that in any family situation. What if I got to the point when I said to my parents one day, you know, it's been great being a Robinson, but now the Lord is moving me to the Johnsons. And after a while, the Lord's going to move me over here to the Smiths. And then the Lord moves me to the Kangs. I'm going to be Korean for a while. I'm a Kang. <laughs> they should do a Korean uh, a comedy show with three comedians with the last name Kang. Say these are the are four comedians with the last name Kang. These are the four Kangs of comedy. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. God has not given you a spirit of fear, and fear always moves you. Anything that moves you is fear. God wants to establish you in your place. Fear wants to move you from it. Tossed to and fro by every wind. It's a sign of immaturity. You're tossed to and fro by every wind. You're moved by this and you're moved by that. And you're moved by this. Yes, we want to be moved by the Spirit of God, but we want to allow Him to move us into a place where we're steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. The whole point of allowing the Spirit of God to move you is so that you don't have to keep being moved. 
He wants to make you unmovable. And in order to do it, He's got to give you a sound mind. We are living in a day and age in which high-level men and women of God are being overtaken by low-level demonic beings. High-level, you hear about some of the stuff that's taking people out. Say, what? He got taken down by that? That little devil that 13-year-olds struggle with? That little thing? What took him out? It wasn't some major principality. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Do you realize that most believers have never wrestled with the principality? Because they're too busy wrestling with the flesh? (laughs) Too busy wrestling with low-level little demonic imps that you should be able to kick off. And it's taking you down and put you in a headlock. Why? Because the one thing that we lack in our culture is soundness of mind. Soundness of mind is the ability to make a decision and not move from it. I'm not moving. I made the decision. It's done. I'm not moving from it. I'm not moving from my place. Soundness of mind is the ability to govern from your mind. And it's something that in the natural you don't have the power to do. And it's something that actually we think is very godless. It sounds very humanistic, doesn't it? Just mind over matter. No. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Meaning until you came into the power of the Holy Spirit, you couldn't control yourself. But when the Holy Spirit came, you said, no, I'm surrendering to God's control. Yes, and God is giving you control. Yes, you surrender to God's control, and then God gives you by the power of the Holy Spirit the ability to take control over your life. In AA, the first thing you have to confess is that your life has become unmanageable. In the kingdom, it's the opposite. You stand in the midst of a life that has become unmanageable. You come to faith in Jesus Christ, and He puts His Spirit in you. And then you look at your unmanageable life and say, I can do all things through Christ who gave me strength. Stop praying the serenity prayer. Lord, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The wisdom to change the things I can. Or the the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. There's no faith in that prayer whatsoever. Lord, Give me the faith to believe you to change the things that I cannot change. And the power to change the things that I didn't think I could change, but you've anointed me to change. See, there's stuff in your life that you have the power to change, but you don't know that you have. Listen, some of you here in this place right now have been crying out to God to do things that he has delegated to you. And God will not do that which he has delegated to you. When he has put it under your authority, he will not take it back. I had an assistant one time that used to delegate things back to me that I delegated to her. She's not my assistant anymore. Say, I need you to do this. And then she would send me a text. Well, you'll have to do the following three steps before I could do that. And I'd pick up the phone and call her. What part of you'll have to do this did you not understand? When I said you'll have to do this, 
I of course meant that every step in between to get you there, you'll have to do that too. Do not delegate things back to me that I have delegated to you. Now, when God says take dominion over the earth, what part of take dominion did you not understand? Well, God, I'll need you to remove the following obstacles from my path. God says, why are you re-delegating back to me that which I've delegated to you? I put it under your authority. I won't take it back. There's stuff that you can cry out until you're blue in the face for God to do, and he won't do it because he's delegated it to you. He's put it under your authority. Don't be like an assistant that delegates stuff back to the boss. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I'm not hearing enough amens. Mm. So God wants to give you a sound mind. He wants to give you a spirit of love and a power and of a sound mind. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 that you should be renewed. In, in 423, you should be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And then in verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this age. Literally, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of you here are praying and crying out to God to transform your life. And he's saying, no, you renew your mind. You want to be transformed, you've got to renew your mind. Meaning you've got to start thinking differently. You've got to get rid of that weakness think. You've got to get rid of that I can't do it and I'm powerless and this, oh boo-hoo, this happened to me. You've got to stop the pity party about what's happened to you and what this person did to you and that person did to you. That's all a part of the spirit of fear that the enemy has given you to keep you in the place of unbelief and to keep you outside of the blessing, to keep you outside of the covenant. But God wants to bring you into the covenant and the only way he can bring you into the covenant is if you allow yourself to be renewed in the spirit of your mind your thinking has to change your mind has to change you got to stop thinking that weakness think and you got to get into the the, the thoughts the mind of christ i was talking to somebody one time and he was telling me about something that was happening at his job and he said i'm screwed i'm terrible i'm i'm totally screwed i'm wrecked i said why they said because they took my assistant because my assistant was so good the president wanted her for himself And so he took her from me and she became his assistant and now I can't do my job and I'm totally screwed And I said you need to get out of the flesh and into the spirit. He said, what are you talking about? I said the holy spirit never sits around saying i'm screwed You can't tell me you're in the spirit saying you're screwed And you can't tell me your whole calling and destiny is dependent upon a secretary I don't care what they take from me. They can't take my calling and they can't take my destiny. They can't take the spirit of God from me. They can't take the divine empowerment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You got to get renewed in the spirit of your mind. You got to drop all of the nonsense and the foolishness. And you got to come out of that childish pouting stage. You know, I I grew up pouting because it was the way I got my mother's attention. My mother was a tender woman and is a tender woman. And, and, and she, whenever I pouted, she responded to it so, t- oh, son, oh, oh, son, oh, come, come here, son, come here, son. Notice that God has never called your heavenly mother. Oh, 
He doesn't do that. He says, get up, boy. That's what my daddy used to do. He said, get up, boy, and stop crying. If anything's going to change in your life, you're going to have to get up and change it. You're not going to change anything in your life laying there crying. Now, get up, boy. Listen, the word of the Lord to you today is get up, boy. Come on, somebody. I know, I know you've been through some stuff. This is not to belittle what you've been through. But this is to tell you that you are not bound by what you've been through. This is to tell you that your future is not your past. I don't care what happened to you. And it's not that I don't care what happened to you. What I mean is that what happened to you is not greater than what's about to happen for you. I'm telling you that what Jesus did on the cross is greater than what any man or woman did to you. What happened to you in your path is not more powerful than the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Paul said it in Romans chapter 8 verse 11. He said the spirit of he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. And he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit. I'm telling you what they did to him is worse than what they did to you. Why? Because he would, he died and you're still alive. So whatever they did to you isn't as bad as what they did to him. But the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is where the spirit of God reversed what they did to him. And that same power has come to live in you. It's the spirit of reversal. Listen, I don't care if you are raped. I'm telling you the spirit of God can reverse that. The spirit of God has the power to reverse any rejection, to reverse any abuse, to reverse any curse that has come against you. The spirit of God is the power to make right what has gone wrong in your life, to make new what has gotten old in your life, to dry every tear from your eyes and to raise you up and to give you authority. God's come to empower you today. I want to encourage you today. I've come to strengthen you. Let me tell you something. The strength of this church will be characterized by the strength of the minds of its members. You cannot have a strong church that's filled with weak-minded members. And it starts with you two, Pastors Caleb and Mina. The strength of your minds will determine the strength of this church. Never move from your place. Pastors get tempted with all kinds of nonsense. Tempted to believe I'm a failure. Tempted to believe it's not working. Tempted to believe my hopes and dreams have come to nothing. Tempted to believe the people aren't listening to me. The people aren't following me. Nobody honors us. Nobody obeys us. Nobody hears us. All of that garbage will come at you and all it'll take is one or two people to dishonor you. And suddenly the temptation is to ignore the other 99 who are honoring you. And focus on that one or that two. But you're going to stand against all of that temptation. And no matter what comes or goes, you're going to settle it in your heart and mind. God has set us here. God has planted us here. And we will not be moved. You will not be moved. I want to strengthen and encourage you today. That you have to settle it in your mind that you are equipped to handle whatever comes your way. Because constantly as pastors, we're bombarded with things that we do not feel equipped to handle. And at every moment where I feel like I'm not equipped for this, I have to stop and say, hold on a second. I just made an accusation against God. Because I'm saying, God, you put me in a place that I'm not equipped to stand in. That's a lie. I'm equipped for this. You need to begin to say that in your heart and mind. I'm equipped for this. And you can't send everything back to Daddy. I'm talking about Pastor Christian. You can't say, oh, this problem's too big for us. 
No, what I want you to do is give daddy a report after you've handled it, after you've fixed it. But you need to get on your hands and knees and make a decision. We're going to handle whatever comes our way. And we're going to give him a good report. We're going to send the report so that every report he receives is a good report. Why? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so I just want to strengthen and encourage you today. And each and every one of you, especially the, the original church plant team that's here, God has ordained you to stand in this place. And if you allow weakness in your mind, you're weakening the church. We don't realize that when we allow weakness in our mind, that attack of the enemy comes against our minds, not because the enemy hates us individually. Actually, the enemy doesn't care about you. He hates the church of Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy the church. And if he can get to it through you, he will. You need to make a decision. He's not getting through me. Jesus said the prince of this world is coming, but he's got nothing in me. Let him come. He's got nothing in me. And if he's got nothing in me, he can do nothing to me. And if he can do nothing to me, he can do nothing through me. But on the other hand, God is coming. And he's got everything in me. And if he's got everything in me, then he can do everything to me. And if he can do everything to me, then he can do anything through me. I want to be a conduit through which God can strengthen and encourage the church, not an instrument through which the enemy can destroy and kill the church. Amen? Soundness of mind. Let's pray. Father, strengthen the minds of your people in this house today. Strengthen each and every mind. Lord, there's those in this place today that have a defeatist mentality that just feel defeated and because they feel defeated they've allowed themselves to begin to think they're defeated they've allowed the feeling of defeat to rule instead of allowing the thought that they are victorious to rule Lord you promised in Jeremiah 31 31 and following that you'd make a new covenant with the house of Israel. You said what I'll do is I'll put my laws in their minds. When Paul talked about the law of the mind in Romans chapter 7, I believe 35, he was talking about the government or rule of the mind. Lord, when you said you would put your law in our minds, what I hear you saying is that you'll put your government in our mind. You'll put your dominion and ability to rule in our minds. You said, I'll put my laws in their minds and I'll write them upon their hearts. From the mind, you write your laws upon our hearts. And God, I pray that you would bring us into right order this morning. That you'd bring us into right order this morning. Father, we take authority over those emotions. And it doesn't mean that the emotions have to leave immediately. Some of you are going to go on feeling some things. But you're going to be obedient to the truth, not to your feelings. You're going to be obedient to the truth. You're going to walk in the light as he is in the light. And you're not going to walk in darkness anymore. And so I speak strength to your mind right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I speak strength to your mind. Some of you are crying out to God to do that which he's put under your authority already. You're crying out to God. Is it possible that I could have this? And God is saying, I've already put it under your authority. Take dominion. Take dominion. Some of you are crying out to God for your finances when he's put financial blessing under your authority. 
You need to begin to believe that he's put it under your authority. You need to begin to believe. Some of you are crying out to God about something that's happening in your physical body. And he's given you authority over it. Some of you are crying out to God about your marriage. And he's given you authority. You need to take dominion. And take responsibility. I'm as close to God as I want to be. You got to stop saying, I wish I were closer to the Lord. That's a lie. You're just as close to him as you want to be. You want to be closer? Come closer. Draw close. Come. You have more authority than you think. Right now I remove weakness. I remove weakness. Don't stop. We're still praying. I remove that weakness from your mind and heart right now, and I replace it with strength. You don't even need me to lay my hands on you for you to get it. You've already got it. It's in you. You need to acknowledge it. You need to stop saying, I am weak, and start saying, I am strong. You need to stop saying, apart from you, I can do nothing, and start saying, but with you, I can do all things. You need to recognize that that apart from him thing doesn't apply to you because you're not apart from him. You're with him. You're with him. I speak strength to your minds. Come on, make a decision right now. Whatever it is, make a decision right now. Wherever that defeatist thinking is, remove it from your mind right now. Stop saying, I wish. I'll never forget, seven years ago, I cried out to God and said, God, I wish, I wish we could have a child. I wish Sonny and I could have a child. And God spoke to me and said, Am I a genie that you should wish upon me? Am I a genie that you should wish upon me? Stop wishing and ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. You need to begin to declare in your mind, It shall be so. It shall be so. And it is so. Because the moment God says you're fruitful, you're fruitful. The moment God says you're blessed, you're blessed. The moment God says you're free, you're free. I don't care if you see nothing happen. Make a decision to believe with your mind what God has said. To bring your mind into agreement with God. To stop arguing with God and agree with God. And to stop blaming other people. Stop blaming other people for the state of your relationships. Take authority, and especially you men in the room, take authority. Take authority. Be men. Stand in your place. Men of God in this house, you are the backbone of this house. And if you walk in weakness, this house will be weak. But if you walk in strength, this house will be strong. You have a responsibility before God. You need to, you need to live that out in your homes. In your marriage, even if you're single, in your household, stop making excuses. Make a decision. I'm going to be strong. 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 The devil cannot move you from your place. The only way you're moved is if you allow your mind to move. And then you need to be shifted again. Stop shifting. Let the Spirit of God shift you into your place and stay there. Let the Spirit of God shift your mind into your place and stay there. Let the Spirit of God shift your mind. I speak strength to your mind.
In the name of Jesus.